Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Phillies and Braves game two tonight. Scott Lauber, Philly Inquirer, now joins us. First of all, welcome back. It's always great to hear you on the other end. Steve, it's good to be here. Uh, They beat Spencer Strider in game one, and not only that, the first time the Braves have been shut out in two years at home. You sat there, watched it. What did you think of it? It was uh, it was pretty uh, it was pretty unbelievable, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I think if you um, if you were to handicap the series before it started, you would have thought, you know, game one was the one that the Braves were gonna were gonna win uh, and win. You know, I don't know, fairly handily because of the pitching matchup and. Uh, because of the fact that uh, there was no Zach Wheeler in Game 1 or Aaron Nola in Game 1. You know, the Phillies don't do very much against Spencer Strider. Uh, typically, um, Braves were coming off a bye and uh, had done pretty much everything um, that they didn't do last year. They, they did everything in reverse, really. They held their workouts in the evening to simulate the, 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 uh, the flow of, the, of, of a game day. They invited fans in to um, ratchet up the atmosphere a little bit. They brought in minor leaguers to play against um, so that they could stay sharp. And still, uh, they come out and uh, and can't score a run in the first game. Um, you know, I thought the Phillies stole game one. I thought they had a terrific game plan. Um, I thought they found a weakness in the, uh, in the Braves' offense. I thought they found a weakness uh, in... Um, in, in you know exploiting uh, high velocity against the Braves, I thought they found a weakness in exploiting the running game against the Braves. So they had a plan, they executed it perfectly. They won three nothing, and now um, they are absolutely in the driver's seat in the series. And uh, you have to wonder, um, you know, uh, how much they're also in the Braves' heads as well. Uh, agree with that last part. Uh, is this best of five format? Is this the most dangerous round of the playoffs for a favorite because of the fact you don't really have time to get back in it? I think so. I mean, listen, um, you know, it's probably not a popular opinion among Phillies fans because it's it's worked to the Phillies' advantage the last couple of years. And it sounds like it's excuse-making on the part of the favorites or the, or the division winners who fall behind in these series. But a bye in baseball uh, is not really an advantage. Um, As you know, I mean, in baseball, they play pretty much every day for six months straight. You get a brief break during the All-Star break, a three-day break. Um, Otherwise, you're never off more than than one day uh, at a time. Uh, You're lucky if you get a day off in a week. Sometimes you get a couple. Um, But I think when you don't play for for four days, uh, you can do as much simulated game as you want. You can do as much... um, you know, preparation as you want, but these guys are baseball players more than any other athletes are creatures of routine. And I think when you take them out of their routine, uh, even when it's intended to give them rest uh, or to, um, or to make the road easier, it actually makes it harder. I think it's difficult to kind of end the season on that Sunday and then not crank it up again until Friday or Saturday. Uh, The Braves also, unlike the, um, and the Dodgers, I guess, have the same issue now, too. Unlike in the American League, not only does the favorite get the four days off, five days off, but really they also get 
um, there's a day off between games one and two. So the yeah. Phillies were able to start Zach Wheeler on normal rest, and he'll also be able to pitch game five on normal rest if there is one. Um, so I, I do. I think it's a little bit unnatural to get the bye. I, I wonder how uh, baseball fixes it, though, because when you introduce more wild card teams, you need to have a first round as opposed to just that one game. Yeah. I wonder whether making the division round seven games instead of five is the answer. Um, because, you know, it just seemed to me going into game one, and I talked to some colleagues and some people on the field about this before game one, it just felt like for a team that won 104 games and hit 307 home runs and had the highest slugging percentage in history and won its division by 14 games and all of those things, there was an awful lot of pressure on the Atlanta Braves in game one. And it felt to me like a, a team that has a season like that shouldn't have that kind of pressure in the first game. And, you know, you never want to lose the first game, but if it's the best of seven, at least you feel like you have some breathing room. Um, you don't have that in a five game. So I wonder if that's the way to mitigate the, the, the issue. And obviously there are issues with having the season go into the second week of November, um, but it just feels like the division winners ought to be uh, or ought to have a little bit more of a reward than a, than a buy and then a buy and 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 uh, and a home game, extra home game. There are um, certain guys that, whatever reason, thrive in this, and they may not be the superstar. Clayton Kershaw has been up and down in this. A guy like John Lester thrived in this. Yeah. What is it about Zach Wheeler? Where he seems to thrive in this, what you know, because it seems like his heart rate's forty-five. Yeah, I think you just said it. I mean, he uh, there's no difference. Um, I can tell you, in being around Zach Wheeler in the postseason uh, as opposed to the regular season, there's no difference in the demeanor, in the attitude, in the preparation, in the routine. And I have to believe that it's not a facade. It's it's real. It's genuine. You know, everyone likes to say, "Oh, it's just another game," or postseason is just an extension of the regular season it's another thing to to believe it and to uh um and to perform accordingly and i I think the phillies have a a number of players including zach wheeler who do that who who can kind of compartmentalize you know the stakes being higher but also you know trying to normalize the situation and figure out a way to get through it he does that he pitches really well at home um I'm at Truist Park right now. He was born about five minutes away from here. He grew up right near here. He pitches very, very well in his hometown. Uh, I think um, I think the Phillies have got to be really comfortable with the fact that he's going to the mound today with a chance to give them a 2-0 lead in the best-of-five series. And um, You know, the Braves have seen enough of him. They know what to expect. He's got a combination of velocity and just an understanding how to pitch. You know, he added a sweeper, which is a variation of a slider this year, and right. giving him another weapon to go to. And you know, I think all you got to do to understand what makes Wheeler so tough is talk to Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola likes to talk about how Zach Wheeler can pitch at 98, 97, 98, or you know, and overpower you, or he can pitch to you. You know, he can really work you over with some off speed and uh, secondary stuff. And there aren't a whole lot of guys in the league, including Aaron Nola, that can do that. So. Um, you know, Wheeler's got got you know got it all really, and uh, and and like you said, the attitude and the kind of the demeanor to succeed in October. Because every time I hear somebody say, "Well, you know, it's just like the regular season, same approach, so forth," 
I always ask myself if they can trying to convince me or convince themselves. Right. Right. And uh, and Wheeler is not one of those guys, you know, right, exactly. about yeah. it. But, you know, he's not one of those guys who walks around saying, oh, it's just the same. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's those guys who are trying to talk themselves into it rather than feeling it. And he definitely feels that it's just, it's just, you know, he's able to handle it. And not everybody is. I do have to ask you about this guy. He's pitching for the Twins, but you saw him pitch with the Marlins for years, and that's Pablo Lopez. I saw there's a stat on him that blew me away. Everybody talks about first, second, and third time through the order. This season against him, first time through the order, they're hitting 249. Second time through the order, they're hitting 238. Two, third time through the order, they're hitting 229. Really? Yeah. This guy defies analytics. Now, you saw him pitch a lot with Miami. But when you hear something like that, what runs through your mind in this analytics world? Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Because um, there aren't enough pitchers these days who get who get the opportunity to go through a lineup for the third time, no less succeed doing it. And, look, um, from an analytics standpoint, it, it makes sense, right, that right. the second time you'd see a pitcher, the third time you'd see a pitcher, you've your odds of – of having success against that pitcher goes up, right? That it gets harder for the pitcher the more they they see you. What it tells me about Pablo Lopez is that, like Zach Wheeler, I mean, we're talking about a pitcher who can attack you in a lot of different ways. He's obviously showing hitters much different looks the second and third time around. Yep. Not the same thing. And so it keeps them, and that to me is pitching. That to me is, yep. is what pitching is all about, is disruption of a hitter's timing. And how do you disrupt a hitter's timing? You throw different looks at them. You throw different pitches at them. You vary your speeds. You vary your delivery in some cases. So I, when I see that and I watch a guy like him pitch, I kind of think of, of a throwback guy, a pitcher who can get you deep in a game. Uh, and maybe in, in Miami um, all those years, we underappreciated Pablo Lopez because he pitched alongside Sandy Alcantara. And yep. it seemed like, you know, um, it seemed like every year, no matter the season they had, the Marlins had arms that they could throw at you at Look, the Marlins, you know, um, the, the Twins, in order to acquire Pablo Lopez, traded the batting champ, Luis Arise, who yep. had a great year with the Marlins. So it tells you that the Marlins and the Twins both understood the value of Pablo Lopez. I, I also love that trade. I love the fact that it was an old-fashioned baseball trade, good player for good player, and it made both teams better, ultimately. Um, so, you know, I'm sure the Marlins would have loved to have had Pablo Lopez start game one against the Phillies last week. But they also loved having Luis Arise at the top of their lineup all year. Right. So, um, you know, I think that uh, I think it was a good um, a good baseball trade, and he's a, obviously a really good pitcher. Yeah, I know it was off topic, but I just thought it was so interesting. Uh, all right, so Max Freed goes tonight for Atlanta. We already talked about Wheeler. Freed only, you know, with everything he's gone through this year, he only ended up making 14 appearances. How have the Phillies dealt with him over time? You know, he's a good pitcher. Um, kind of reminds me of, like, little Cole Hamels. Um, you know, uh, he's left-handed. He's got a lot. He's got really good stuff. Doesn't seem to come unnerved. Uh, the Braves' record when he pitches over the years is tremendous. Obviously, some of that has to do with the fact that they're a really good team. Uh, and I'll bet their record with most of their starters on the mound is good. But with his, it's really good. It's something like 87 and 33 or 43, something like that. They're well way over 500 with Max Freed. The question tonight, it's all going to be about his left index finger. He's had a blister on that finger 
which developed in his last start in late September. He missed his last two starts. He pitched a simulated game, I think it was Tuesday, here in Atlanta. He said he came through it fine. Um, he's had blister problems in the past, so this isn't new to him. He's dealt with this stuff before, and he's obviously got a, a handle on how to do it. But the question is not only the quality of the stuff, but it's also how long is it going is, is he going to be able to go? Because if he should, you know, if that blister should redevelop or if it should tear, um, you know, it's not going to be he's not going to be long for the game. So I think everyone's going to be looking to see how his his finger responds. Um, but if he's healthy, I think the Phillies have their hands full because he's a really good left-handed pitcher and and uh, you know, like I said, the Braves uh, count on him a lot and play really well behind him. So. Um, they're counting on him, though, not only tonight, but also a potential Game 5. They'd have to get there, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're counting on having him pitch twice in this series. And, um, you know, it's all going to depend on how much, uh, uh, you know, on how healthy that blister is. Uh, eight pitches, seven sweepers. Orion Kirkring, who, when he was down at the academy, had what was termed a very bad curveball. Well, <laughs> those seven pitches he threw uh, of the eight were sweepers. What have you what have you seen in this remarkable story? Yeah, he had uh, what his uh, college coach described as a very bad curveball, and so what they did was they taught him how to throw a slider, and it turns out it might be one of the best sliders in baseball, if not the best. Yeah, um, and I mean all of baseball. You know, it was certainly one of the best pitches in the minor leagues all year. Um, there is a bit of an X factor to this too. You know, like there aren't a whole lot of secrets between the Phillies and Braves. They play each other so often. Uh, during the regular season, but the Braves had not seen Orion Kirkering until uh, Saturday night, um, not live at least. And, uh, you know, the way he mowed through the bottom of that order in eight pitches, and then, he, you know, they trust him enough to send him back out to face Acuna to start the eighth. He walked Acuna, but, um, you know, the fact that they had him in that spot in the first place tells you that it's not just lip service, that Rob Thompson's not just saying, yeah, I trust this guy. He really does trust him. I would expect to see him in leverage spots tonight uh, and then obviously going forward in this series um, because they're clearly not afraid to use him, and he's got great stuff. But talk about another guy who just seems to be unfazed by it all. I mean, this is somebody who started the season at low A, yeah. uh, kind of soared through the system, didn't get to the big leagues until the end of September, made three appearances uh, in the regular season for uh, in the major leagues. Um Jeff Hoffman calls him the diaper because uh, he's so young and inexperienced. And uh, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it from watching him. And I've talked to people and said, like, can you give me something to compare this to? And the name that the names that people come up with are like David Price in 2008, mm-hmm. came to the big leagues late in the season and was a factor for the Rays in the bullpen in the postseason. Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod in 2002 with the Angels, started the year and spent most of the year in the minor leagues, came up in late September was a factor in the postseason and boy if the Phillies have that on their hands with Orion Kirkering uh, it's going to be something to watch for as long as they uh, they continue to play in the postseason yeah I think what Kirkering was a fifth round pick something like yeah. that yeah David yep. David Price was first overall so. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah okay yeah. And, yeah I mean and the fact that um, you know those are examples that that you get it tells you that there's really not a I don't know that there is really a, uh, you know, apples to apples because, like you said, right. fifth round pick, start of the year was not on anybody's prospect list and everything like that. Uh, it's been meteoric, a meteoric rise to say the least. Yeah, you have players in the field going, 
we're putting who in? I don't remember this guy from early in the year. And by the way, walking Acuna on four pitches is no sin. All right, so <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Scott, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us from the ballpark today. Really appreciate it. Of course, Steve, anytime.